sing. Stand with us today. Welcome to Hill City. Come worship.
So we were just talking back here as a worship team. And, uh, we just got to be real with ourselves because uh, being fake helps no one. And I was just talking about how, uh, for myself personally right now, I'm like in a dry period. Uh, I don't really hunger to read the word uh, or to really set aside time to pray. I, I talk to God every day, but to really set aside that time. And uh, it's very easy in those times to get down on yourself because I'm an, I know I'm a person who, uh, when it comes to things, I struggle with being religious. So in that, I think by my performance that God accepts me. That if I read my word more and more every day, then God loves me more. If I pray more, then God loves me more. But <clears throat> that's not the truth of it. And uh, I'm glad I have people around me to encourage me. I have brothers in Christ who I text and I'm honest with. And one of them, he, he, he encouraged me with this. He goes, man, God will, will walk through you with something. He'll give you a test and he'll continue to walk with you through it. And on the days you fail, he doesn't say, dang. No, he looks at you and goes, no, that's okay, because we're going to try again tomorrow. But I want you to walk with me. Right? That's what Jesus says. He says, just walk with me. Trust me through this. No, you're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect as you walk, but trust me. Um, and I just want you guys to be encouraged by that, because as I was driving in, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, God, uh, I just feel like I'm falling short. But again, it's, it's not my performance that ensures his love, or rather his love for us. That's what the word tells us. That he, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't because we were awesome or we were doing something right. So, um, I mean, this song I'm going to sing is called Simple Gospel, and that's the truth of it right there. It's not about what we do, but what he did, um, and that he loves us. So, uh, just let that be your encouragement. Father God, I thank you so much for for every person here today, for every person in a church today, God, across the world, I ask that you encourage them with your love, that they know they are loved by you, God. It's not about what we're doing that determines who we are, but rather we are a child of God because you say we are. Your love doesn't grow and become greater for us because it can't be greater than the death on the cross. It's as great as it can ever become. So your love doesn't grow, God. It's not a future us you love. You love us right here, right now. And you're going to help us to grow and become more like you. Just thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh my 
lift up those voices. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. Show me. Heavenly Father, we ask you, you are holy God, but we ask you to show me, Lord God, show me, show me, God, show me who, who you need to, who I need to walk into their life, Lord, show me how to walk this life, Lord God, we've done it our way, I pray today, Lord God, we just open up our lives and say, whatever you want to do, God, you do, Lord God, we build our foundation on you, Lord, not on ourselves, Lord God, you are the holy one, Lord, show me and open up my lives, Lord God, open up our lives as Hill City Church, as the body of Christ, it's not even a church name, we don't raise up a church name, we raise up the name of Jesus, and we say, show me, God, how I can make you famous, Lord God, how I can glorify your name, Lord God, how I can be light in darkness, Lord God, in the place that I work, in the family that I live, in the hardships that I face, show me, Lord God, in my pain, show me in good times, show me in hardships, Lord God, to represent you, Lord, to honor you, to live for you, Lord God, show me, God, take one more moment of prayer, oh, we pray, oh, we You're setting us up. We want more of you, God. I just feel like um, as a church, there's a lot of us right now that need to say, God, I will build my trust on you. Not anything else. Not anyone else. But that, that bridge that God, I will build my trust on you, God. I'm not going to continue to depend on people and things and, and circumstances, God, but I am going to say, God, I will build my trust and my faith on you. Like Gio said, even when you feel dry, right? Even when you feel dry, you know that he is the one that you build your trust on that you don't give it to somebody else to take because they're going to fail you. So God, I, I stand here right now, God, and God, we pray together, God, and I just challenge you to pray right now and say, God, I am going to put my trust in you, God. I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, God, if you fail me, fine, 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 whatever. But God, I'm going to put my trust in you and then I'm going to see what happens. I promise you, God will not fail you. I promise you, God will not fail you. When we put our trust in other people and other things, I do it. I'm not just telling you this. I do it. When I do that, I feel so down. I feel so defeated, right? Yet I have a God that is waiting for me to just put all of my trust in Him. And we waver, right? We go back and forth. We're like, God, I give it all to you. And then we're like, oh, I got this, God. This thing, I got this thing, right? Because I can handle this when I don't need you to help me with this one, right? Do we do that? I do that. I do that like every week. 
but I want to be a person that puts my trust wholeheartedly in God, no matter what it is, the smallest to the largest. So right now, let's just proclaim that together. God, we don't want to be wavering, God. We don't want to be like wishy-washy. I don't even know another word for it. We don't want to be complacent, God. We don't want to be fake, God. That gets us nowhere, just like what Gio said. It gets us nowhere. God, I want to be real with where I am, God. And I want to be able to say, God, I need to work on putting my trust in you with everything. So let's sing that. Let's tell God. Let's give that to God. Those things where we're just saying, I got it. You don't, I don't need you for this. How do you think that makes him feel, right? Like, oh, I need you for this. If it's real serious, but I got this little thing. So God, right now we come to you, God, and we say, I say, God, I say, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God, for not putting my trust in you, God. From the smallest, God, to the largest, God, to the in-between, God. Forgive me, God. I really, really want to give it all to you, God. I really, really want to trust you, God. So right now as a church, I just pray that we make that declaration together. We thank you, God, that you're with us, God. That you hear us. You hear the cry of our heart. We thank you, God. to those around us, Lord God. I pray, let us be on mission with you, God. We don't keep our lives back and we put into a savings account hoping for a rainy day fund, Lord God. I pray the way we live our lives, Lord God, is different than the way we save, God. 
we spend it all out, Lord. We spend our lives, Lord God, for you, God, for those around us, for where you have placed us, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You guys can be seated. Man, give God praise. Lift up your voice. Yes. As the guys are going to pop these lights on, I'm going to read you from Matthew chapter 7. It says in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus is saying, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. How many of you guys know if you live long enough, you will always face a storm? Man, if you live for a week, you'll face a storm. Yeah. No matter what you build, if it says it's going to go against some storms. And, uh, and even this week, I'm sure some of you guys are feeling the weight. No matter what's on someone's face, I know the truth is we face storms. Man, some of us, we got wind burn, right? Yet, yet it says the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. And I love that. Let me tell us this. If you are the very thing that you, we found ourselves on, if we just build our own foundation, we will fall. If we think that we can trust in just our own merit, our own goodness, it's, it's not enough for you. There's a moment in life where you're not enough. There's a moment in life where you go through, you just can't handle it. You can't handle it. And there is a foundation we must stand on that is greater than ours when we are, when our foundation is long gone. And that is Christ. He says, To know and not do is not to know at all. And I believe in the same way that's what the Word of God is saying here. It says, But everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus is saying, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, like I've never walked with Jesus and this is all new to you but you're in this room today because life has made you crash right there's something happened and you said and it broke us down and you're in this room because you said God if you are real do something in my life God if you if you are real this I'm just coming in here I don't know if I truly believe but I'm in here because I've done everything I can do for my marriage, everything that I could do for my job, everything that I could do for my purpose, and I have built my foundation, and it was not enough. It was not enough. And I want to ask you, like the Bible says, can we trust Him? Trust Him. Trust comes in obedience. Love. Jesus says, if you love me, He doesn't say, believe it, believe in love. That's great. No, He says, if you love me, obey my commands. Just listen to me. And in the same way, 
I ask in this place, as we pray, as we give, as we live, if you love him, obey his word. Trust him over your own self. Trust him more. Let's do that today. As the guys come forward, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We love you. It was a time of worship, God. And in worship, all we're doing, we're not singing songs loud, God. We are declaring God over us. We're declaring your words over our life. And we're declaring your words into our world, God. Knowing, Lord, only you can bring change. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. And as the guys pass this out, they're going to play a video, guys. I am afraid of my darkness. I'm afraid of intimacy. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of what God thinks of me. I am afraid of rejection. I'm afraid that the world is too dark. I'm afraid that I'm not enough light. I'm afraid that no matter how hard I fight, I'll still be defeated. I am afraid that I'll be knocked down again. But for all my fears, I must remember, fear is a liar. Fear does not know who I am. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. That's a desperation conference for uh, the youth. If you have any youth, uh, middle school, high school, please uh, sign up for that. They're raising money out there, here and there. Please uh, join in on part of that. Amen? Good morning. Uh, if you're new, my name is John, and uh, I just want to welcome you. First of all, thank you for being here, and uh, hopefully I get to meet all of you guys. Um, but we are starting a brand new message uh, series for the next couple of weeks, three weeks before we hit Easter. And what it is, what I'm doing is I want to prepare our hearts for Easter, on the, for Resurrection Sunday. And, uh, and, and I believe this message is not going to be easy, but it's for your joy. Say, it's for my joy. It's not going to be easy. We know that there's things in our lives that are not easy, but it's good for us, right? It's for our joy. If we would let it play out in our lives instead of like just, uh, just giving up, giving up, giving up, our joy would increase. And this is what this message series is about. It's for our joy. And if we could get a grip of these three areas of our lives, it would bring healing for our past, clarity for our future, and purpose for our lives. I believe everyone in here needs healing. We all need healing. We all need clarity. And we all need purpose. Isn't that true? We, we all do. I was talking to Marcy this morning, and we, we were talking about arrested development, how there's moments in our lives where we feel like we're living the same life over and over again, and it gets so frustrating. We feel like we are arrested in development. We're not moving forward. And that's a part of what this message is about, where Jesus calls us to follow me. Follow me. Follow me. In, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples, you must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. How many of you guys ever played follow the leader, right? 
I know, this is, might be old school, right? I remember being a kid on my bike in Reno, Nevada, about seven, eight years old, and we would play Follow the Leader. And we actually, some kids actually had the banana bikes with the banana seats. Anyone have the banana seat? I always wanted one because they were so, like, old school. Yeah, they were so old school. I loved them. I was like, oh, I want one of those. Uh, but I had the one, I had the bike from my cousin with the star wheels, and, and it meant something to me then. Now I'm like, it was just a heavier bike. <laughs> it, wasn't, it didn't make sense, but it was cool, and that's all that mattered when you're seven years old with a straight-up bowl cut, you know? I had to just imagine seven-year-old John with me in your mind's eye. Straight-up bowl cut. I had large clothes because they were hand-me-downs from my cousin, Right, and I was the kid, and and to be honest, I was the kid with the with the twenty four hour dirty face. You know that one kid who has like the dirty face, like has like a little bit of snot and dirt on it, and you're like, you you want to, but it's their snot, you don't want to do it. But I was the kid with the twenty four hour dirty face, and everyone in your family, there's that one kid who always has a dirty face. My family is Mike is Ezra. He constantly has a dirty face, constantly. You you go up to him, you're like. What happened to you? And, you know, that's just regular. That's, that's regular for him. But we, I grew up in this neighborhood. We would play follow the leader on our bikes. And, and, and one kid, follow the leaders, one kid would take the lead, and you would copy what they would do, right? So if they would do a cool slide, you would do a cool slide. If they went over a hill, you would go over a hill, right? And it was really fun. But we had the one kid who was crazy, Right? There's always, in, in a crew of kids, there's always one, one son, one, one girl that is just out of control. The out of control kid for us, well, his name was Shaheen. He was this Pakistani kid, and I lo- he was my best friend when we were in Reno. Right? Shaheen was nuts. He was the crazy kid of the crew. He would jump his bike and do wheelies. I could never do wheelies. I still can't do wheelies. Anyone could do a wheelie? Right? Some of you guys? Oh, man. I could never do it. I, I, I could never, I just never had enough guts to hold it, right? You pop it up and then jump off. You're like, it's too much. It's too much. But he would do wheelies and he would, he would turn it from fun to dangerous, right? And some of you guys in here, you guys uh, turn things to fun to dangerous. And this was Shaheen. I remember one time I was feeling good. And Shaheen was taking the lead, and I was ready. He was going to take it up a level. I was going to take it up a level. I was like, you want some? Come get some, right? So I was ready. And I, in my, in my, just imagine my bull cut, right? I'm just swiping my hair from my eyes. And, and, and Shaheen's like, all right, you want some? So we, there was this large skateboard ramp set up in, in the neighborhood. And I've never hit a skateboard ramp, but it must be like anything else, jumping off anything else, right? So he goes, and he goes and hits the ramp, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of air. It was pretty large. It wasn't like one of those small ones you see in Thornton neighborhoods where everyone has like elbow pads and helmets and mouth guards. Back then, we had none of that. We just went for it. And, and, and so I was like, if Shaheen can do it, I could do it. I said, John, believe in yourself. I mustered up this courage. You're good enough. You're smart enough. I wasn't smart enough, obviously. And if you do this, all the girls will like you. So filled with boldness, bold courage, and hormones, I, I started just going down as fast as I can at this ramp, full speed ahead, fully focused. Time slowed down, and all I had to do was stick the landing. I hit the lip, and it's going up. But what... I didn't know then that I know now is that to hit a landing like that, you have to know how to do a wheelie. Yeah, you have to hit your bike and land as a wheelie. If you, if you didn't know that, you've never hit a jump like that. 
right? Or you'll just go forward and crush yourself. And guess what I did? I went forward. I hit the middle bar of my bike with some parts of mine. And I hit him hard. I crashed. And I started crying in front of all the girls. Right? And I, I went home totally, totally defeated. And I tell you all that just to say, I know what it means to follow. I know what it means to follow. And, and sometimes following is not easy. Anyone with me? Following is hard. But with that in mind, Jesus never asked us just to believe in him. He says these words, and he says it to us today. Follow me. Say that with me. Follow me. Follow the leader. Do what I do. Live as I would live your life. Live and speak and be aware as Jesus would live your life today. But he knows what we don't know. He knows what we don't know. We, we don't know what we don't know, but he knows what we know. Following Jesus is what we most desperately need. I wish I could, I could just say that to people and, and, and it would transform them immediately, but there has to be an act of obedience. Following Jesus is what you most desperately need today, what you most desperately want. You just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. Listen, God is not trying to rob your life. Sometimes we act like, oh, I give my life to God or I start following God. He's going to just rob my life. He's going to take away all my happiness and my pleasure. Like he's some angry Catholic, like nun teacher trying to hit your hand with a ruler. That's not who God is. And if that's what we have in mind, that, that it's the wrong view of God. Rather, he is leading you into what you most desperately desire and need, whether you understand it or not it goes it might go against your feelings and your social norms but God is saying trust me trust me this is the way to life this is the way to true fulfillment this is the way to intimacy this is what you desperately desire follow me into depth follow me into meaning follow me into joy something greater than you that's what we really desire we desire to live a life something greater than us and that's innately in all of us why are we so frustrated when we face these moments of arrestive development when we, when we live in moments and everything seems the same for too long is because we know that in our life we were made for more than something more than us something greater than us i believe that's in all of us all human beings feel this desire and know there has to be more and I'm going to tell you there is this message series is called follow me but today's I'm going to speak on Jesus forgives understanding we're not only sinners who receive forgiveness but we're sinners who follow Jesus to forgiveness turn your Bibles to Luke 23 all right Luke 23 and I'm going to give you some context this is rough rough context and I'm going to give you just, just, just what, straight up what's going on. Jesus here is on the cross. Jesus is on the cross. Think about that for a moment. I know we might think of this and that on the cross. I'm going to describe to you what this is like. He's completely innocent, yet hanging between two criminals. Imagine you being innocent, but you have been condemned to death. And I know that it happens in this country too. People who have been put on death row and they're doing stats. Can you imagine giving your life to something that you did not do? 
I mean, what injustice. Have you ever felt that? What injustice is that? So this is what's going on. Imagine with me the deepest physical pain, emotional shame, and spiritual abandonment. Luke 23, 32 to 34. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to a place called the skull, no one wants to be at the place called the skull, all right? They crucified him there along with the criminals, one to his right, here, stage right, and one to his left, right? One to his right and left. Now, most of the time on TV, when we think of the cross and the crucifixion, we think of Jesus hanging on high away from people, away from the crowd. But in reality, the way that the Romans crucified people were right in your face, You were face to face with them, eye to eye, so that you would be about six inches from the ground, hanging. But you would see them eye to eye, face to face, taking their last breath. It wasn't this like thing far away, but people were right in front of Jesus. Because the cross represents torture and humiliation. Torture, because the word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion, right? So torturous, and number two, humiliating. The cross was not, it was, you, you were eye to eye seeing someone die. You heard their screams. You heard them trying to breathe while being nailed to a tree naked as people are making fun of them, spitting on them. And in this moment, Jesus, face to face with his accusers, lift his eyes to heaven and begins to pray for them. This is a, I know if we read our Bible quickly, we just pass over that. But this is an insane moment. He looks at his accusers as he's barely breathing. He takes a deep breath. Just imagine with me. And instead of taking it for himself, he prays a prayer for the very ones he's staring at. And he says in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus asking forgiveness for them, the ones who sinned against him, the mob, the offenders. What a radical moment in his injustice. He was, it was unjust, right? For some of us, this is a challenging message. This is going to be. I know forgiveness was a huge mountain that I had to climb in my life. It was something that held over my head for a long time. And for some reason, I come back to it because it's something that so plagues our culture, plagues people, plagues us, all of us. And you can think to yourself even now, what is one thing that you have been holding on to that have been painting your life that you wish it didn't? What is one thing that has happened to you that is painting your life and relationship in your life that have, has, has rewrote your story into something you didn't want? Think about that for a moment. See, it's crazy because on this side, on the other side of forgiveness, I feel like I'm coming down the mountain that I, I got to a place that I, it was gone. I, I let it go. And, and it's not totally gone. I still have to work on relationship with my father. I do. There's this, there's this I, I speak about it here often, but I didn't really let go of some, like, there was some abuse that happened in my childhood that 
that my brother and I, we ended up in foster care and all sorts of places that we didn't want to end up in. I didn't want that to be a part of my story, but it was a part of my story, and it was really hard to let go. I used to blame my life. If anything would go wrong, I would point my finger and I'd say, that was it. But at some point after having kids and knowing, man, I'm going to mess up my kids. I'm going to mess up my kids. I need to get over this or they are going to feel the effects of my bitterness. And finally, God help me. Uh, after uh, a million times of saying, God help me forgive this moment, I can look back and say, my life is totally different from that one forgiveness, from that one thing that has trapped all my bitterness. A huge mountain. I'm not the same person. Ask my wife. I'm not the same person. I'm still crazy. You guys know. But I'm not the same person. Because the truth is, if you live long enough, you're going to be hurt. I was with Randy and Desiree yesterday at a basketball game, and they're like, we've never seen this side of you. I'm a loud screamer. I scream from the sidelines. I coach from the sidelines, all right? God's working on me, guys. God's working on me. I'm that parent you're like, eh, right? But if, if you live long enough, you're going to be hurt. Many of you, many of us right now, we carry a wound. And some of us, it's been a, a long while. And we have actually put that into our identity, that we are broken, right? I am wounded. You, when you think of yourself, that picture of wounding always plays in the way you see yourself right now. And we think it's over. And, and right when you're working on it, it pops up again. And right when you think you forgot about it, it pops up again. Maybe some of you guys have been abused, taken advantage of. Someone lied to you or, or cheated you or cheated on you. Some of, some, someone hurt someone that you loved. Maybe it was your kid or your family. Maybe there was a church that you attended that messed you up. And maybe it's here. Someone gossiped about you and it hurt you. Or at work, you ended up losing your job for something that was totally unfair and undeserved. Some of us, we carry a hurt by someone who's no longer even in our lives. Think about this. Some of them are not even alive, yet we still carry the bitterness of the moment. They took your innocence. They abandoned you. They broke you. And we're just mad. Some of us, we're just mad. We're mad at God. We're mad at life for something that happened to you or something that didn't happen to us. Some of us, we're mad because it didn't happen to us. God, you knew I needed this. Maybe right now you're saying, God, why would you let this happen? Why me? Why this? Some of us, we're just mad at ourselves, and we just can't let it go. We're just mad. We did something, someone that we loved, and you can't believe you did it, and you can't undo it, and you carry this unforgiveness towards yourself, which brings me back to the question, how do we follow Jesus? I'm, I'm being honest. How do we follow Jesus in the area of forgiveness? I'm not downplaying any of our hurts and any of our situations, they're real. Your pain is real. Yet in our pain, how do we follow Jesus? In our pain, how do we still obey Jesus? Because we know as we are obeying him, it's building our house on the rock. And you got to build something. You can't wait and hopefully it just builds itself. You still got to obey and build your house on that rock. How do we do that in the middle of our pain? This is the dilemma of the Christian life. The dilemma of the Christian life is how do we walk towards Jesus when we're in pain? How do we say, God, I trust you more than me, even when I don't feel it? Or do we just hold our ground and say, I am not moving. I'm not going to let this go. I don't want to. I just won't. Today, I want to I 
teach you two baby steps that it's simple to understand, but it's really hard to do. But you just take a tiny step. You don't need to take large steps sometimes. Sometimes you just need to take a tiny step one direction. You're like, ow, ow. You just need to take a, a step towards direction. How do we learn to forgive like Jesus? Step one. It's this hard. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Matthew 5, 43 to 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, who hurt you. You might be thinking, I've been praying for them. I pray they lose everything and they suffer with eternal nosebleeds, right? I love praying for them. Listen, the statement by Jesus is more shocking to the hearers then than the hearers now. We, 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 we have advanced in thought, but back then, all they've known was revenge culture. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You come at me, bro, I'm coming at you. That's how, that, that, that's how they believed. That's what they were taught, right? This is, they're in the middle of Roman occupation. All they know is national unrest, and they, they're like, you come at me, we're coming at you. We're going to bring a hammer, right? Revenge culture. So to say, pray for your enemies, that was a radical thought. That wasn't like, oh, that's what we have always done. No. When they heard that, you could hear a pin drop. They're like, what? What do you mean pray? Hard to digest. Today you might feel the same way when I'm saying this. Some of you, oh, forgiveness again, John? Yeah. Forgiveness again. Yet I ask you, you might feel this way. You might say, John, you don't understand. And I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand your whole story, but I, you don't know my story, John. You don't know my pain. You don't know my suffering, yet I ask you, in it, in it, take one baby step, trusting that Jesus wants best for you. He doesn't want, he's not trying to say, do this and just hurt you. He's saying, man, if you would just do this, I have something so much better on the other side. Not to hurt you but for your joy. Just know that he knows. He knows. See, if you, he knows that if we, if we wait till we feel like forgiving, it will never happen. He knows that day will never come and that hurt will cause more damage than ever before. Our unforgiveness not only affects us, listen, 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 our unforgiveness and our broken relationships don't only affect us, it affects everyone around us. It affects the way we see life, guys. The way we see life. It's crazy. But it's hard to do something. It's hard to do it. But sometimes we got to do things just out of obedience. We take the tiniest step out of obedience. And healing can flow from obedience. I'm telling you. It doesn't mean you don't get mad again. Trust me. When I was working on my unforgiveness, it was a daily battle of saying, again, God, help my rage because it is getting out of control, God. I choose again to trust you. I choose again to trust you. I got mad. Forgiveness over obedience, right? For, like, forgiveness over bitterness. It's okay to be honest with God too. Some of us, we pray lame prayers because we think God is like, is like so like structured in a way like we can't be honest with him. We pray like, oh, this, I guess this is how I have to pray to you. No, sometimes you just need to be honest and say, God, this sucks. This is so hard, God. He is a big boy. He understands. He can handle your prayers. He can handle your honesty. 
He can handle my honesty. If you would hear my prayers sometimes, if you would know the things I say sometimes in my time alone with God, I, I don't know. You would think I'm insane. But I deal with a lot of things. I, I say a lot of things. I'm like, oh, God, I'm glad no one's around me right now because this is what's really in me. God can handle your prayers. God can handle your honesty. God can handle your hurt. He says, come to me, oh, who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and trust me. Learn from me, for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Learn from me. Learn how I do it. Trust me. God, this is hard. I'm still mad. How can I do this? These are good prayers, but I'm praying for them, God. Ah. I don't want to pray for them, but I'm praying for them because you told me to pray for them. Even if that's your prayer, start there. Start there. Help me, God. Help me not pray prayers of death over their life, right? Save them, Lord. Let them experience your love like I need you today. Your prayers for others may or may not change them, but it will always change you. Your prayers for others may not change them, but they'll always change you. That's following Jesus. Pray for those who hurt you. Number two, step two. Forgive as we have been forgiven. That's step two. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If, anyone, uh, if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Say that with me. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I don't know about you, but in my life, I have wronged and hurt many people deeply. I've hurt people deeply. I am far from perfect, and I know the devastation that I can cause in people's lives. And that's why I say around here, we are all one decision away from ruining our lives or ruining someone else's life. One decision. You're not this, whole, not, you're not this far off person like, oh, I can't do that, I can do that. You are one decision away from hurting someone so deeply. One, some of us, one, we know this is true. One word, one decision away. And I, and I know I've offended God most. I do. And I need his grace and forgiveness daily. I need it every day. You know who needs more forgiveness than someone who's far from God and doesn't know God? Us as Christians. We know God, yet still sin against God. Who needs grace most? And if we understand we need that much grace every single day like we need water, Jesus says, in that light, forgive as I have forgiven you. Some of us in our marriage, we need to forgive. Stop digging up the past because sooner or later, it's going to bring destruction. You know it. There's marriages in this room, just being honest, that we need God's help right now. And we need to take one small step in humility, trusting Jesus. One small step. I love the verse that says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. May live. I love that verse because we have a choice. But I don't want to, John. I don't want to make those choices. Those choices are hard. I don't want to take that step. I'm going to stay mad, stay bitter. I'm, I'm never going to forgive. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I've seen this play out. I've seen unforgiveness play out. And you always lose. You get a 100% chance of losing. 
when you let bitterness play out. A hundred percent. You name me one person who have held on to bitterness and they won life. You don't, you don't know a single person. You always lose. That's the game you're always going to lose. And it's always going to be bad for you. Anne Lamont said this bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Right? Oh, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And I don't want you to die. I don't want your soul to die. I don't want your story to end. It's time to forgive and forgive again, asking God for his help. Forgive as you have been forgiven. As we close today, let's stand. I don't know what you're carrying today. And I know this is a strong word, but I say it strongly for your joy. Because on the other side of forgiveness, there is joy. On the other side of forgiveness, there is hope. And you might be on this side of forgiveness, and it's really, really, really hard. And it's really, really, really hard. And it's really, really, really hard. And it is. I'm not going to lie to you. There are moments that I have freaked out many times trying to forgive, trying to let go, trying to work this out in my life, trying to to heal the damage that is my past, trying to heal the memories that are broken. But I was telling someone this morning, I I can't even remember the bitterness for my father. I can't even feel it anymore. I'm not saying I'm awesome. I'm saying it took a long time. It took over a decade, folks. It took a long time. But I can't even remember the bitterness, which is crazy to say that finally I can be free. And you know what? Honestly, I don't know if I would even change my past. I don't even know if I would change what we've been through because it is our pain that makes us leaders. It is our pain that connects us together as human beings. You don't want to just hang out with someone whose life is just perfect, right? And there's no such thing. We fake it anyway right? But it is our pain that connects us. Some of you, you guys have gone through hardship in marriage and you can help the next person who's going through it. Some of you, you understand depression. You can help someone in depression. Some of you understand when you are lost and you don't know your purpose and you can help someone who kind of lost in their purpose. And it doesn't matter. God uses our pain for his glory and for your joy. Will we allow God to process us all the way through for your joy and for the good of people right around you, for the good of your kids? I believe that I'm a better father because I've been through hardship. And I love the words of Lecrae. He, he's a poet and he says, don't let pain make you a monster. Let it make you a leader. Don't let pain make you a monster. Make it, let it make you a leader. And in that same thought, we can use what we've been through and we can paint our life with it or we can use what we've been through and we can paint people's future for their good and their joy. I pray we choose joy. And what we're going through, we don't see it in the moment even though we feel it. We see it in the future and say, God, use this, that moment for my joy. And I will honestly say I wouldn't change anything I've been through because I know that is can be used for the glory of God. And I know I am standing here in this moment because God chooses to use my pain for his glory, my story for his story. Let's pray today. Let's bow our heads. I don't know what you're carrying, but I know it's hard. All of us, man, we're human. We, If we have walked in each other's shoes, we would have so much grace for one another. We would. And I, Jesus, we're at, Jesus asking us, follow me. 
Trust me. I'm for your joy, for your wholeness. Our culture says you're justified in being angry, being offended. And you are justified. That was wrong. But Jesus asks us, in our injustice, will you respond differently? Will you take a small step, even if you don't want to, even if it's the lamest prayer ever? God, I pray for them that that they would be okay. (laughs) That you would just do something in their life, God. That we would pray for those who have hurt you. That we would love our enemies even when it's hard and forgive as we have been forgiven. That's how you follow Jesus. We start by looking at the cross because that's my cross, my shame, my nakedness, my pain, my sins that you took from me, Jesus, so I could live in your acceptance, your love, your forgiveness, your heaven, your life, in mine. We start from the cross, we go back to the cross, and we stay at the foot of the cross. That's how we follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray with every head bowed, Lord God, there is deep healing that needs to happen today, Lord God. But we start with a prayer for those who have offended us and hurt us and broke us, Lord God. We pray not out of feeling. We pray out of obedience to you, God. We pray out of knowing. We trust that you know better than us, that this is uh, the way to, to godliness, that this is the way to freedom, God. We pray, God. We ask for your help as we pray, God. And we look to the cross. Transform our hearts. We trust you over us, God. We give you our heart and mind, God. Parents and leaders, if we are parents and leaders, we have no choice but to overcome forgiveness because someone is watching us and will walk in our shoes one day. I pray that our forgiveness and our story would one day incite joy in our children and those we lead at our workplace, that they would see our life transformed and they will ask us how we did it and we will say, Jesus. We will glorify your name and our tragedies we will use to you bring you glory, God. Our hurts we will use to bring make your name famous, Lord God. I pray that be us today. We thank you we love you if you're in this room and you just need prayer and you're carrying something so heavy i just want you to raise your hand i want to pray thank you thank you thank you thank you heavenly father i pray for every hand that was raised god we all carry deep wounds and burdens lord god and you're like john i always raise my hand that's fine because it's a process of freedom It might take five years. Hopefully it doesn't take 10 years like mine. But God, I pray with every hand that was raised and wasn't raised, bring freedom in this place, Lord God. Bring freedom into this place, Lord God. I speak freedom over them, Lord God, as we pray, Lord God, for those who have offended us. I pray for joy in this place when we have no joy. If we're dealing with depression because we have held on to bitterness for too long, I pray for breaking depression for whatever spiritual stronghold is over us. I pray Jesus over us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let us sing this song one last time. Holy Holy, oh, holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. The gentleness over you. 
building, God, one step at a time, trusting you, God. I pray that we will be known as a people that trust you because you are for our joy and for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, thank you.